Warning, the podcast you're about to hear has a unique conservative perspective and may be politically incorrect, containing some controversy in its message. This episode may speak out against liberalism, socialism, the dark state, and religious organizations. It is possible that evil in politics, education, law, society, and religion will be discussed and exposed. However, we believe this podcast adds truth and value to a mature, disenfranchised audience who may be tired of apostate religions and wicked world systems. Listeners who are easily offended, overly sensitive, or have progressive leanings sympathetic to the topics we expose should be forewarned not to listen any further. We thank both those who choose to listen as well as those who choose not to listen. You've been warned. And now, let us get on with the show. Well, welcome. It is Friday, November 8th. I was almost said 7th. November 8th, 2019. It's a Freedom Friday radio, part of the Kapow Radio Show, as you know. Kingdom Against Powers of Wickedness. Here we, we try to talk about some, some events in the news. Things that, um, well, kind of disheartening. But they... They show where we're at. They show the level of complete demonization uh, in our society uh, and some people and some humans, what I call, you know, flesh suits, demons and flesh suits. And also makes you realize just how much, really how much more we as called out ones, we as the church, we as individuals, need to be doing to um, give the gospel of Christ. And I know that's it's not always easy or opportune. All the, the opportunity isn't always there. Uh, you know, most of the time we're dealing with people in our immediate family or people we work with neighbors, somebody we're kind of close to, you know, you're just not dealing with strangers for the most part. And these, these opportunities come up, you know, when people talk about, you know, what's going on in America or the world or, you know, in politics or the weather and weird things and, you know, opportunities can, can pop up. A lot of times though, it's been my, um, you know, my observation that the best way to share the love of Christ or the gospel is just through your actions just being loving towards other people just being nice really just being nice and it's very difficult uh, depending on what city you live in to be nice when you're on the road Um, come from Southern California and uh, boy it's very difficult to be nice in Southern California when you're on the, the road, when you're on the freeways and um, traveling because people, everybody's, not everybody, but a vast majority of people are very rude, you know, behind the wheel. And it's like you have to, if you don't get yours, you're not going to get it. Um, they're very rude, very dangerous and um, very uncivil. And, it, and it's hard to um, defer sometimes. And you should even just common sense you should defer because why get in an accident or why get into a beef with somebody you know over traffic but it's tough you know where we came from you know southern california 
I was born and raised in California, but leaving that area it being so used to the culture down there that um, it it would be highly unusual, highly unusual uh, to to walk into a restaurant or a store and have somebody actually that was in front of you or coming out actually hold the door open for you, whether you're a woman or an old man or you know or a young lady with a bunch of kids or babies. It was highly unusual, highly unusual. It, um, the the ninety nine point nine percent of the people wouldn't do that. Now, I used to say I can't blame them because there were times when I would be at a store and I would see some ladies walking up, and I would stand there and I'd hold the door for them, and you know they would just walk in, like. <laughs> like you were the doorman they wouldn't acknowledge you they wouldn't thank you they wouldn't even look you in the eye they just totally ignored you or they were on their phone but basically punked you off and walked in like that was your job to hold the door open for them or something so it made you feel like screw that you know i'm not doing that for people they're rude it's just like uh, you know they're not going to let me in uh, in traffic, they're not going to let me zip into the lane. I'm not going to do the same thing. Um, they're not going to uh, move over at the gas pump or, or back up so I can use this pump. Uh, so I'm not going to do the same thing. So it's easy to get into that groove. And um, everybody was rude. You know, like everybody. You know, the grocery stores, everybody's rude. But you, you grew up with that. I remember as a kid, you know, I'd hear stories about New York. And it's, oh, yeah, New Yorkers are rude, you know, and... You know, and everybody's really aggressive and really mean. And, you know, as a kid, you'd hear stories like that and going, oh, you know, I'd hate to live like that. And then, you know, I found myself as an adult living in the same environment in Southern California. Everybody's just doing their own thing. Um, Nobody really, they don't want to look you in the eye. They don't want any interaction with you. And I don't blame them because the people were weird. And um, you didn't know who you were going to uh, talk to. And so it was just kind of everybody just kind of stick to yourself. Um, you didn't know when, you know, you're going to, you know, rub shoulders with some crazy, you know, gangster or serial killer. It's going to take a knife or a gun to start shooting. I mean, you just, you didn't know. Very bizarre. A lot of uh, aggressive panhandling. And so you're thinking, wow, Brother Kapow, where did you live, man? You lived in a ghetto? Well, kind of, you know, him at California. It was ghettoish. <laughs> it got ghettoish. It wasn't. It wasn't like that. But it got ghettoish. And um, you know, then we moved here in Mesquite, Nevada, and it was like a small a town. It was like a third of the size of where I came from. And of course, I worked in Riverside, which was huge. You know, uh, we had a daytime population of about three hundred thousand in the city of Riverside, and I was a cop there. You know, I come to this little city and we have, you know, 18 to 20,000. <laughs> Big difference, right? And uh, when I first thing I noticed is how nice people were here. I mean, it just blew my mind. And you can go to a store or a restaurant. And I'm not talking just like older people. I'm talking young people. This what blew my mind. I'm talking teenagers, 14, 15 years old. And they'll stand there and hold the door open for you. Yeah. Or you're crossing the parking lot and they'll, they'll actually stop their car. 
for a pedestrian. I mean, I know it sounds crazy because it depends on where you live, what you're used to. But it, it, it was mind-boggling. So where I came from, it was very rare for someone to be nice or courteous. When I came here, it was highly, highly rare for anybody to be discourteous or rude. Uh, the vast majority of people were really nice and courteous. I, I remember before we actually moved into the house, our house was being built. And uh, Miss Kapow and I were at a park and we were walking our dogs at this park. And no one was at this park. It was a big park. No one was at this park. And there was this uh, young lady there with her young son. He was probably he was probably eight or nine years old. And she was walking around the park. And he was, you know, playing around and stuff on the grass and on the, you know, the park toys and stuff. And, and, and she didn't, she wasn't alarmed. She didn't care that, that she was walking and he was playing off by himself where I came from you couldn't do that because you didn't know if someone was going to take your kid or a pedophile or what you, you wouldn't take your eyes off your kid where I came from but here she is just walking around and this kid's just running around well I'm walking my dog and this kid comes up to me and he starts having an adult conversation with me sweet guy sweet kid and he goes he comes up to me and he goes hi he goes may I pet your dog? I said, of course. So he reaches down and he starts petting my dog and playing with it. And he starts telling me the story about how he used to have a dog and how it looked like and all this stuff. And he was having a conversation with me, a total stranger. So <laughs> somebody didn't know and he was an adult, a man. And his mother was just walking around, had no problem. Had no problem because that's the community we live in. And it blew my mind. A couple, of, a couple of things blew my mind. Is that she wasn't afraid for her kid that I might have been some weirdo, number one. Number two, this kid was so courteous and polite and sweet. And he could have an adult conversation with an adult without being afraid. It was unbelievable. And the whole town was like that. The whole city was like that, wherever I went. So it was very courteous, uh, very nice. In fact, where I live now... One of the big things is everybody waves at each other. I mean, you just, you walk, everybody waves at you. You don't know who they are. They're just driving down the street and they'll wave at you. They're just, they're just nice. So it depends on where you live. But the, the point is, this big rant that I went on is, it's important to be nice. It's important to display the love of Christ to people. You know, when you have a food server or Somebody comes to your house to do something for you or the mechanics working on your car, just anybody. It's just it's just courteous just to be nice because sometimes that's the only niceness they get, you know, or if you go, hey, how was your day? And they go, well, you know, I'm tired. I've been here since, you know, eight and I got to work till two. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, do you always work that? Hard? You know, show people you care. Now, are you leading them to Christ right there? No. Are you giving them the gospel? No. But you're being salt and light, and you never know how that's used. You never know when they're going to ask the question, hey, what makes you the way you are? Or, um, you know, you, you, you know, you get like, God, you guys are the nicest customers. But we really enjoy when you guys come in. You guys are so pleasant. You know, and th there's your opportunity to say, well, you know, our, our <laughs> we've been through some stuff. We've been through some stuff, and our hearts are different. Um, it, 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 it is important 
to live life like that. And it depends, like I said, where you live, because if you live in a very rude and hard place, it's easy to get rude and hard. And, um, you know, like where I came from, Southern California, I would be nice to, and I never used to be, you know, homeless people or uh, panhandlers. I never used to be. I used to be very, very hard on them, you know, coming from law enforcement. But after I got saved, I was very, very nice to them. And, the, and one of the reasons is I have a captive audience. If they're asking me for money, I'll give you money, but first you're going to listen to me. And then I would present the gospel to them all the time, every single one of them. Um, I don't know what happened to them. I don't know if they ever received Christ. I don't know if their life's changed or not, but I gave them that opportunity because if I'm going to give you money, you're going to listen to me, right? Um, here where I live, I don't have panhandlers, so I don't have that. So, you know, it just depends on what your situation is and how uh, how God can use it stuff. Now, I don't know why I'm saying all this on a Freedom Friday, but I am. And that's what this show's kind of about. We're talking about what's going on in the news and that can also be used as conversation starters. It can also be used to tell people about um, the return of Christ or biblical prophecy, or or maybe not. But, you know, there's there's things going on out there and there's people who need prayer and um, both victims and suspects. And there's a lot to talk about <laughs> with people because there's a lot of stuff going on, including the weather. You know, when they go, oh my gosh, you know, the weather's just crazy this year and this and that and that and that. You can talk about the grand solar minimum and you can talk about earth changes. And uh, if they want to talk about politics, you can, you can talk about that. And, um, you know, how God has, uh, you know, everything in control and your viewpoint. Anyway, there's a whole lot to talk about. The first story here is about a serial killer and she's a mother. I think this is in India. And she's accused of killing six relatives before she got caught with cyanide. I don't know how she didn't get caught before. Just a regular looking lady, just a mother, but she's a serial killer, killed six people. Um, Jolly Joseph, 47-year-old mother of two sons, was arrested this, this last month here in October. The police say she, was, um, she had confessed to the killings, which took place in India, Kerala, India. Her parents-in-law were first to die in 2002, uh, first the woman and then the, the man in 2008. Then she killed her husband of 14 years. He died in 2011 after losing consciousness after a meal. And then they had arrested also these two men who supplied her with cyanide. I don't say what the motivation is or what the, what the deal was. I mean... It's just crazy. So, you know, this is in India. This lady just happened to get caught. You can imagine the people out there doing murderous things. It's a, it's a demon. It's a spirit of murder. Um, I pray you don't have that in your family, you know, or in your neighborhood or in your, your city. But it is a spirit of murder. This 47-year-old mother had two sons, or she has two sons, and she was arrested just early October for the murders of her first husband and five other people between 2002 and 2016. She confessed to the killings, which took place in India. She went to a court Friday. They ordered that she remain in custody. Also, two men were arrested for supplying her the cyanide. 
She had killed a retired school teacher, which was her mother-in-law, and she died in 2002. And then she fell unconscious after eating a meal of mutton soup. Then she died. Six years later, now six years later, this uh, her, her father-in-law died after eating a plate of tapioca. But neither of the deaths were investigated at the time. So six years apart, I could see how, you know, that wouldn't raise suspicions. Her husband of 14 years died next in 2011. He was eating dinner too. He threw up and then he lost consciousness. And that case was ruled a suicide when cyanide was detected in his body. So they said he killed himself, but he didn't. She whacked him. Uh, this lady's sister-in-law said she initially sympathized with the suspect who was raising two children as a widow. But when this gal decided to marry her deceased husband's cousin, then her sister-in-law became suspicious. So that was probably the motivation there. Um, what's interesting is her cousin, right? Her deceased husband's deceased husband's cousin his wife and daughter died in um, very similar mysterious circumstances in the years before the wedding holy moly Uh, there was this little girl she was two years old and she died in 2014 at a family function at a church after eating a piece of bread her mother died two years later in 2016 after collapsing during a dental appointment which the suspect, Ms. Joseph, was present on both occasions. Wow. Uh, Let's see, her, then the mother-in-law's brother also died in February 2014. So the Thomas family, which Joseph married into, said they thought they were cursed as family members begin to die one by one. I I could imagine why you would think that. You had a demonic death curse on your family. And initially, the case was quite unbelievable, but uh, the police began to suspect or suspect Joseph when they discovered she had lied about being a lecturer at a prestigious college. Hmm. I don't know how that led to anything, but anyway, no autopsies were conducted except in the case of the husband, making it difficult to establish the cause of death. Yeah, that's something. So that's out there uh, right among us. And um, there are some uh, crazy demonized people out there. Now, everybody knows this story. I usually don't talk about mainstream stories because everybody knows about it. But I have to mention this: this uh, death by the Utah Mor- you know, um, not by the death of the Utah Mormons in Mexico. Any way you slice it, this is horrible. It was a bloodbath in Sonora, Mexico. There was a ma- massacre. That babies. Babies were burned alive in the cars. The kids were shot in the back. And they blamed this on the Mexican cartels that murdered nine U.S. Mormons in a targeted hit. It's just interesting. These these Mormons had a, um, a community there. They'd been there for decades. So they weren't just like on vacation. They, they lived there. They have dual citizenship, both in Mexico and in uh, the United States. They're from Utah. They're just, you know... You know, they just they have a typical you know little Mormon look about them, but when I read the article, what I found out is uh, they did both regular 
Mormon temple uh, church activities, but they were also polygamous, polygamous, polygamous. Now we have a polygamous colony not too far from us, um, actually in Arizona, but on the Utah border. Uh, we call out here they call them fundamentalists, but uh, I've seen them in the uh, St. George Mall and stuff before, and they wear you know clothes like they look from the 1800s and stuff. Um, and it's uh, like a polygamous colony colony there. And so that's who these people were. So I don't know if the Mexicans had enough of that or what. I, I, don't, I can't imagine these Utah Mormons being, um, you know, involved in drugs <laughs> in any way, obviously. But anyway, three people were arrested in connection with the depraved massacre. massacre. Uh, let's see. The U.S. got involved sending some investigators there. FBI also offered to help the Mexican authorities. There were 17 members of the LeBaron and Longford families. They were traveling in three different cars. And I think they were going to a wedding when these gunmen popped out and just sprayed their vehicles with bullets. Some of the victims, including little babies, were reportedly burned alive amid fears that female victims were raped. So this was really, really brutal, brutal stuff. Brutal, brutal stuff. Women and children were massacred, burned alive. Several family members um, have told how the gunman opened fire on one child running away, revealed how others burned to death inside a car that was torched. Other young children managed to escape and hide by the roadside while one of the mothers was shot in the chest as she put her hands up to surrender. Survivors described how one boy managed to hide his wounded siblings, less than a year old, in bushes before he ran to a nearby town to get help. And other members of these families are still missing. So that's concerns that the death toll will, will rise. And it's unclear what motivated the killings, which took place on a dirt road between Chihuahua and Sonora states. The thing is, that can be a mistaken identity. I mean, these, you know, you look at their pictures and they're white little Mormons. They look like they're from Utah. They have that, you know, that look. You know, you're not going to mistake them for drug dealers. So, apparently, it's not the first time that members of the Breakaway Church have been attacked in Mexico. They've been there for decades. I guess in 2009, Benjamin LeBaron, an anti-crime activist who was related to those killed in Monday's attack, was murdered by cartel killers in neighboring Chihuahua State. So, you know, who, who knows really what's going on there? What's, what's the deal? Um, they think, you know, family members think it was a targeted kidnapping and a targeted execution. I mean, little kids are killed and shot. It's unbelievable. Uh, what's going on in this world. Uh, obviously, I think there's a lot more to this story than what we're getting so far. Um, you know, I know Trump and, you know, a lot of people want to go over there and annihilate Mexican cartels. You know, who, who knows? Who knows? Um, you know, but regardless of who these people are, whether you agree with polygamy or not, or their religion or not, you know, this is a horrible, horrible thing. And, um, you know, people, people need prayer. They need, they need Jesus really, really, really bad. Uh, the next story here is about, you can look at this on our Facebook page, our Fifth Hook Media Facebook page. Or you can type it in if you want. 
Just type in Dragon Girl. Uh, this this poor thing, man. Ah, this poor thing needs to. She needs her soul purified, man. I don't know. She's only 24. She's already spent 37k. Don't ask me where she gets that kind of money. Um, I could probably guess. But she's already spent uh, over 37k modifying her body. She goes blind for three weeks after she tattoos her eyeballs blue. Now there's a picture of her here before she started messing up her face and her body, and she was really a pretty girl. So I don't get it. It's just unbelievable. But she went blind for three weeks. Can you imagine? She's lucky she can even see. She modified her body. She's got tats over probably 99% of her body. She's got weird stuff. She's got upside-down crosses on her earlobes. I mean, you know what this thing's all about. She's got tattoos on her face and her, you know, every, everywhere. It's just unbelievable. She um, she spent 37000 doing that. She almost got blinded uh, when she tattooed her eyeballs with blue ink. Her name is Amber Luke. She underwent an excruciating and dangerous 40-minute procedure to transform her eyes. Even her mom wasn't real happy about that. It was the latest in a string of body modifications that the body piercer has done, including getting 200 tattoos on her body. She has her tongue split and her earlobes stretched. She has blue hair. She has a boob job, cheek and lip fillers, pointed implants placed in her ears. So she's a little dragon girl. She's a little, she wants to look like a little demon. You know, I had posted this on Facebook and I just, the comment I made was that it's a demonic, it's very a demonic attack on the image of God. That humans were made in the image of God. And this is one of the things you see with these uh, body modifications of these tattoos. It's um, it's not just a, a thing to do. It's a, it is an attack on the image of God. This poor thing here has has fallen for the lie, and uh, boy, she's messed up. She calls herself a blue-eyed white dragon, and she developed her bizarre fascination with extreme modification at 16 years of age. But she said the eyeball job was the most dangerous procedure she has done to date. She said, I can't even begin to describe to you what the feeling was like. The best thing I could give you is once the eyeball was penetrated with the ink, it felt like the tattoo artist grabbed 10 shards of glass and rubbed it in my eye. Are you serious? Oh my goodness. This is what we want to do? <laughs> oh. Oh man, just pictures of her before, and she was a beautiful, beautiful girl. Just beautiful. What the heck, man? Unbelievable. What happened four times? That happened four times per eye. It was pretty brutal, she says. Unfortunately, my artist went too deep into my eyeball. If your eyeball procedure is done correctly, you're not supposed to go blind at all. I was blind for three weeks. That was pretty brutal. My gosh. Amber said she hopes to fully cover her body with tattoos by March 2020. That's a great goal, by the way. That's a good goal. But she won't get any more extreme modifications done. I, I don't know how, how more what else you could do without tattooing your eyeballs. She said, I don't plan on getting any more body mods that are extreme in this manner. No more tongue splitting. No more eyeball tattooing. Her mom broke down in tears when her daughter got the blue eyes. <sighs> 
can imagine. She says, where do I start? I cried. I said a few choice words as anyone would. Why would you do that to yourself knowing there's a danger to it? As we know as parents, some kids will just do what they want to do regardless of what we say. She's 24 years old. Uh, The mom says, I brought her into the world with the best skills that I can give, the best that I could give her. It's just for me to be there and go along with the journey with her. I prop her up and love her. Uh, the mom, here's a clue here. The mom says she never saw herself as beautiful. She didn't see herself through my eyes. But I've supported her because I could actually see the transition, the growth, and how it made her come to who she is today. Yeah, a white, blue-eyed dragon, uh, demon, Satan thing. Oh, man, my goodness. So, yeah, she's she's so messed up. The mother says, I think over time I've learned to actually understand what it, that it doesn't change you. It's the society's perception on it. Really? The self-professed blue-eyed dragon went all the way to America to add to her frightening look by getting a set of specially created fangs made to go inside her mouth. They're not just for aesthetics, as the tattoo lover admits. They're sharp enough to pierce through skin, something she finds incredibly uh, pleasing. Okay, so all you single guys out there, This ain't somebody you want to um, be messing with. Amber first started uh, having issues with her body when she was 14 after being diagnosed with depression. 14. She was depressed. It was this news that made her determined to change her appearance. And she went from a beautiful girl to a white dragon tattooed um, blue-eyed freak. Yeah, she doesn't... uh, she doesn't worry about what she's going to look like when she gets older and all that stuff. She don't have time to worry about that. Well, she's only 24. 24-year-olds 24 don't move about stuff. Okay, last story, which is um, good news, the way things ought to be, sent to me by my brother Juan. A U.S. Capitol Rotunda has X, X, or former LGBTs pray, repent on behalf of nation for the sin of homosexuality. Uh, really, for all sins, it's not just homosexualized sins. It's a sin is sin. It's uh, any it, perversion. The tattooed lady, the the dragon, the white dragon. That's perversion. So, um, it's not just a sexual sin. I mean, perversion's perversion. Uh, the Bible tells us in Corinthians, First Corinthians six nine through eleven. Know you not that the righteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? The unrighteous, I mean, be not deceived. Neither fornicators, adulterers, or uh, Adulterers, nor effeminates or abusers of themselves with mankind. And it goes on and on. <clears throat> but in Washington, D.C., November 1st, an extraordinary event took place beneath the magnificent rotunda of the United States Capitol. Former gay, lesbian, and transgender men, women repented and interceded on behalf of the nation for the sins of homothetiality and transgenderism. They were part of a group which came to Washington this week to urge members of Congress to oppose a so-called Equality Act. And I agree. We should oppose that too. And I formally oppose it and I officially oppose it right now on Freedom Friday Radio. I oppose the Equality Act and the Therapeutic Fraud Prevention Act, which would prevent others from seeking help to escape LGBT lives. In other words, I can't tell them about Jesus and how to uh, get the demon out of them. Moments before they're entering the rotunda, NBC had published a story with a headline declared that they came came to lobby against LGBTQ rights. But that's not the purpose at all. They came to tell their stories of finding healing 
and fulfillment by rejecting the lies of LGBT ideology and turning to Christ. Here's what they said, quote, we repent on behalf of our country for the sins of arrogance, for the sins of sexual deviancy, for the sins that have led us to the place where we are today. One man earnestly prayed as he stood beneath the dome. Now, see, that's a good prayer. He says, we repent for the sin of homosexuality. We repent of our part in it. Uh, Another prayed. Another said, we ask that you would forgive our nation for this. We ask you to hold back any judgment and that you would hear our prayers and have mercy on us. Um, Others joined in offering their heartfelt repentance and intercession. One said, push back the darkness. She was a former lesbian. Uh, She says, you created us male and female. You created us in your image. You have created man to find a wife, and that is a good thing. We pray that the truth be revealed to those who have bought into the lies and deception. We pray you remove the curtain of deception. Another man said, I repent for the lies that we have believed as far as who we are. Um, This woman who had lived as a man for many years, but is now restored to her true identity. Lord, we bought into the lie that you didn't create us good enough that we should have been something else. And that's that's what the the little dragon gal with the blue eyes, that's her problem there. That's her problem. Um, I ask you to continue to drop the scales from the eyes of those who live in the deception of, of who they are and let them see how they are created in your image and that you do not make mistakes. I call ask you to call them out of that lifestyle call them out of that deception see so it's the same thing it's an attack on the image of god god's image is the same attack one has blue eyes and it's a dragon and tattooed the other others think they're different genders and um you know that they were their their sexual orientations they were born that way so they they uh they prayed they they pleaded for people they had a time of worship they sang uh, look at it can't hurt it can't hurt uh, they were there for about an hour an hour long it was a spontaneous prayer that erupted at the end of a tour of the historic building led by the u.s house member doug lamalfa uh, he's a republican from california and louis uh, gomert a republican from texas pro-life champions and defenders of religious liberty so anyway um i, I it, it's not political these peace people are sincere. These people are sincere. It might be politicized, but it's not political. These people, um, these people really praying. You know, it can't hurt. You know what I mean? I mean, what else are we gonna do? You know, what else are we gonna do? We just gonna keep talking about it and just keep shaking our head and disgust and you know, as our our kids are taught all kinds of weird, crazy stuff in school and transgenderism is becoming mainstream and it's like it's normal you know just like a, a you know a, a white dragon girl it might be normal it can't hurt to stand up and uh publicly pray and ask god to forgive our nation and heal our nation it certainly can't hurt uh, so i like that story i thought that was good i thought that was really good so with that i'm gonna say adios good night and uh We'll talk to you in a bit. You have a blessed weekend. Good night.